Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hey, this is Mac. Checking game cameras is one of the many pleasures I get from gamekeeping. OnX helps keep track of my camera locations to be sure I'm getting the information that I need to make the best decisions for the wildlife. Try it out for yourself and see. Use coupon code MOSSYOAK to save 20% on your OnX subscriptions. Know where you stand. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, <laughs> two, one. All right, well, welcome. Here we are once again in West Point, Mississippi. Yeah. Home of Mossy Oak. I'm looking at Lanny standing up. Still standing. Dudley looks like he's in a bad mood. He's writing something down there. Max over here with Cramming. a smile on his face. And uh, Richard Davenport sitting over here. Well, it looks like the he's, one and only. he's paying attention. He's, he's quite awake today. Yeah, he is. Well, he's... Uh, you know, he's, he's been doing some tip telling. That show last night, the Gator Show. Yeah, it was a great show. Oh, it was really good. Really Enjoyed good. it a lot. So We like those lizards. I think Richie's kind of caught the bug himself. You going to put in next year, Richie? Mm-hmm. That's an affirmative. Yeah. Yes. All he's, right. He's nodding his head over there. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep sleeping. Man, Dudley, you got to come get you some of this action, this Gator action. I'm telling you. Bobby, you too. Well, I might. You know, you never know. So, uh I so, could, yeah, I could do one of those daytime gator hunts. You need to go with Mac. He's yeah. got the spot for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just wear, just wear yeah, your bulletproof yeah, vest when you go with him. That's I was awesome. waiting on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to have that bulletproof vest when you're with yeah. Mac. So, so look, uh, today's going to be a, a a fun show. We're going to be talking about deer hunting, and that's something we all love so much. I mean, it's blowing and going now. You know, here we are, the week of Halloween, so it's kicking off. I know it's. In the Midwest, it's got got things going on. So uh, I know people are out in the South hunting too. It, so it's it's happening. The blood on the biologic segment ought to get a little bit deeper in the next it, few weeks. Yeah, it's it's happening. I mean, there's too many people to mention now. You're seeing it all over. Folks are having success. There were a couple I was going to call out and then let you guys go, but there's a, a young man named Key Smith from Natchez that killed a, a deer with his bow. Scores. It, it grosses 177 and nets 172. True wow. boner. It's beautiful, dude. Wow. Yeah. Mm. In matches. Well, or on the Mississippi River down yeah. in that part of the world, in the Delta, for sure. So prime, prime area down there. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know him, but that was a heck of a deer. I wanted to kind of give him a little shout out. And then I wanted to ask you guys, if I said a guy killed a white-tailed buck, a 10-point, nice buck, and an alligator in the same day on the same hunt, what state would you think I was talking about? How big's the deer? 
Well, I don't. I mean, it was a nice big deer. Yeah, I, I would have to say Louisiana. I'm I'm going with Florida because I think it's can you. Sh- can you shoot them in Louisiana? Don't you have to catch them on a hook first? What about you, Mike? I'm going with Florida. Initially, I was going to say Louisiana, but with Dudley's point, I think he might be on to something. Yeah. Florida. Richie, have you got a thought on that? Richie, wake up over there. Okay. <laughs> Richie does not have a thought on that. So, But, no, it's Minnesota. Oh, man. Can you believe that? I mean, Wait, it, it was. Seriously. Yeah. A, a guy was. Uh, was Did he run him. over the gator or he, something? He shot a buck and it was it died by this little wetland. And as he was retrieving the deer, he heard a noise and there was about a three foot alligator that they think somebody turned loose this summertime that maybe yeah. it got too big. Well, he called the Minnesota DNR, and they do not have a season. And they said we would, you know, he's not going to make it through the winter. And he ended up shooting the alligator. Minnesota does not come to mind when you think about it. No, that was a trick day. question. Yeah, Bob. that was a trick. That, that yeah, I wish you, I wish you, Bob, Dudley, we should have known that. Yeah. Come on, okay. Matt. Come on, Matt. I thought y'all I looked on. I would have said Alaska up. next time. Oh, yeah, well, okay. The Alaska <laughs> would be a good one. So, <laughs> yes. uh, what have y'all said? Blood on the biologic. What are y'all seeing? Um Seeing it stuff all over, but I, I love seeing a kid kill their first deer. And uh, I was flipping through my Mississippi Whitetails Facebook group, and uh, uh, a guy named Dusty Azell, his son, uh, wearing full bottom land camo, killed his first deer with a crossbow, and it it was a huge doe. Like it looked like it was about 160 pounds, I like which is huge for Mississippi. <laughs> big old thing. This is a big doe. Veteran bottomland, that's awesome. Yep. I yeah. love seeing these young kids in bottomland. Yeah. I just I just do. Well, hate won't be long. Hayden will be tugging at you. You know what that means? They've got that? they've got cool parents. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's on the radar screen. You know, we're seeing deer in the fields going to and from school and everything else. So it's starting to definitely be a topic of conversation. My my Spartan is blowing up. I mean, I've got a message while we're sitting here. I may have to let one of y'all start talking yeah. so I can check Did it. Did Jesse make the last week's butt on the byline? Yeah, she killed okay. a doe last week, and we we talked about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, sure so. I'm trying that's to what, get guide of the year. Yeah, you're a pretty good guy. Yeah. Especially well, for her. Try anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. so look, we're going to talk about – we've got two people we're going to call. We're going to call Terry Jury first. Then we're going to take a break, and I'm going to ask you about a story that you heard about – uh, has to do with some dentures and we'll get oh, you to tell yeah, that story. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to call Dave Nebraska, uh, who works for Mossy Oak, lives in Ohio, killed a big deer with a bow. We're going to get his story. And then we're going to talk about some, I got some questions like, what do you guys got to have in your bag, et cetera, et cetera. Mac, I want to get you in this too. So pay attention and uh, be ready. So why don't we call Terry first? He's okay. waiting on us and I want to go ahead and not keep him waiting. The Terry jury. Hello. Hello, Terry Jury. Yes, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, How are you? Yeah, we're all good. It's so good to hear you. That, that, uh, Dudley's sitting here with me, Lanny, Mac Thatcher. We got Richie uh, over here producing. We're just having a good time getting the podcast started. Did Man, what a You got the A team, baby. A team. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> too overexcited. We do like to call ourselves a team, though. Yeah. <laughs> When we do a podcast, I get stuck with Matt and Mark and a bunch of speaking. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I tell you what, uh, yeah, Matt's a lot of fun there. He, he, uh, his choice of some sound effects though. He's uh, yeah, I, I laugh when I when I listen to him. Yeah, keep it up. 
You know what? He did not get corporate approval on that sound machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that, but, you know, I wouldn't. Mark, Mark, Mark and I were not big fans of that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so he got me with it pretty good when I was on there. We were, like, waiting to get started, and he did that a time or two, and I, I didn't know what it was. And, and uh, it, it's a it's a fart sound. Keep up the good work. I don't know how many he's got in there, but there's far too many that he uses on a regular basis. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, let me try to introduce you a little bit. So on the phone is Terry Jury. The Terry Jury. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so there we are. We have a little team that blows the horns every week, Terry, for you. And But Terry has been in the hunting business a long time. The Jury family is a big friend of Mossy Oak and all of our brands. And Terry is kind of the heart and soul of Jury Outdoors. And they refer to him lovingly as Old Man Winter. I think he's about 85 years old, if I'm not mistaken. But but while we have him today, he actually killed a deer a few weeks ago, and it's the biggest buck of his life. It's a heck of a deer, I tell you that much. Terry, are you? Did we put you to sleep? You still there? No, I just woke up. <laughs> he must be hanging out with Richie. <laughs> well, that was a deer that we had had some history with, and and on our farm in that particular area, they usually top out between one sixty and one sixty five, and then there are the occasional one seventy. And I think a, a neighbor ended up killing a two twelve or two or two one year. I think. So to get one over 170 is, is a big accomplishment. And this particular deer uh, was similar to a deer that Matt Drury killed a few years back, a deer we nicknamed Gnarly. And uh, it was because he made a big jump. I had found both sides, and, and he made a really big jump. You know, so his rack was, was heavy, and it was dark, and it was just a gnarly-looking rack, so that's how he got the name. And this deer had some similarities. And at age three and a half, uh, Forrest Bonin, my farm manager, found one of his sides. And I'll be honest, he, he wasn't uh, very impressive. He was just like all the other three-year-olds at that time. And we, we kind of didn't even really name him at that time. He was just another deer. And we looked at him and, and kind of uh, didn't pay, pay very close attention to him. Well, the following year, at age four and a half, he made a tremendous jump from three and a half to four and a half. And I want to say to the tune of about 40 or 50 inches of antler. Oh, wow. And yeah, and that year, uh, Forrest found both sides. So at three and a half, he was roughly 115. At four and a half, he was rough, roughly 164. Mm. So he made a tremendous jump. And we, and we I had mean, passed. Hell of a jump. Yeah, he made a tremendous jump. And, and that rarely, rarely happens on my farm to make a jump like that. But, we had passed that deer. Now, this is a 160-inch deer, and we passed him point blank at, at 10 steps, 15 steps, uh, one, one encounter that we had with him and said, you know what? If there's ever a deer on this farm that could blow, it would be this one. So we, we made a conscious decision to give him the green light and let him walk on two different occasions at age four and a half. And uh, then we started getting pictures of him at age five and a half, and he did just that. He blew into this 180-inch deer, 84 inches, and we were glad that we passed him, not knowing whether or not we'd have an encounter with him, not knowing whether or not we'd kill him. But we had a pretty good uh, history with him as far as the pictures were concerned. We have reconnaissance cameras and, and had 
somewhat of a history with him already at four and a half. And he had a fairly small circle. It was not a real, real big uh, home core area. So with that being said, you know, we uh, had kind of made a, a planned attack and said, you know what, we get the right winds. We're going to go in after him. Unfortunately, he had not daylighted at all. We did not have a single daylight picture of this particular deer until October the 11th. So we'd been watching him all summer, literally. I mean, once he started, we had pictures of him in velvet where what literally watched him develop. And uh, he just didn't walk during daylight. He was an older, mature deer and, and just wasn't walking. So on October the 11th, deer cast predicted great, our, uh, our you know movement predictor. And we did not go where he was living. And we kicked ourselves in the butt for not going there. It was the first time he daylighted on our cameras. And we weren't there. We went to another spot. And uh, we said, you know what? If we get another great and we get the wind right, we're going back there hoping that he might show his face. Well, it just so happened on the morning of the 15th or 16th. I think it was the 16th. Morning of the 16th, he went to bed in this particular spot where we've had so many pictures of him in velvet. Had the encounter with him at age four and a half. Same exact blind. Same exact biologic, non-typical clover field, mind you. Hmm, and yeah. he went to bed there that morning at uh, 345 or 330, something like that. And we said, you know what? If if, uh, if we're ever going to try him, let's try him tonight. We got the wind right. And uh, deer cast is predicting great. Let's get on him. We're not going to pass this opportunity again. We screwed it up last time and didn't go in there. So we're going after him. And we did just that. And that evening we went in there. Got in there and uh, started seeing a few deer popping out onto the field, rather random. Then we saw a couple of small bucks that came out, a two-and-a-half and a three-and-a-half-year-old came out behind us, came out downwind. And we were like, dang, that's not where he went to bed. He went in front of the blind, but these deer popped out behind it. And we said, you know what? What if he decides to sneak out downwind of this blind? And I'll be doggone. We saw a little spike come squirting out a little while later. And one along, he came out right behind us there at 35 or 40 yards tops. And, uh, you know, the moment we saw him, we go, there he is. And this was broad daylight. I mean, it was plenty, plenty of shooting light. It was early. And uh, make a long story short, he comes in. And this was in a little bit of a standing bean field. He nibble on, nibbles on the beans for a little while. But he eventually gets into the biologic, non-typical clover. And uh, I can't say enough about it. The deer in Missouri, he love it. But he gets in there. He gets in there tight. He's at 20 yards and then 19 yards and 18 yards, blah, blah, blah. And I'm waiting for an opportunity for him to turn his head. He's facing or quartering us the entire time and quartering mm. to us. So we're, we're not going to take a shot, obviously. He once looks to the south. He lifts his head up and he looks to the south. I open a window real, real quickly. <laughs> And, uh, you know, draw the bow and put the pin on him, squeeze the trigger, and I'll be doggone it literally. Okay, at this distance, you can't miss a deer by two foot, but it did. So I don't know, because it was pitch black in the blind, I still don't know if I knocked the arrow wrong. I don't know if I had it on the rest wrong. I don't know if it, if it slapped the edge of the blind or what happened. But I was literally, you could have knocked me over with a feather, Bobby. I was flat. <laughs> the, oh. the minute you so, said that, everybody's mouth. Everybody's just, jaw dropped. I just looked there. up and everybody's jaw was on the floor. That was hilarious. <laughs> All right, continue. 
Well, and it's easy to push the panic button, but he, he didn't know what happened. It went so far away from him that he literally was like, what was that? So he, he lifts his head up, and I, I've said this numerous times, it's testimony to shooting with your quiver on. I have never, ever shot my bow without my quiver and full of arrows on there. So I immediately knock another arrow, and he's standing there like a, a Glendale target, and broads are quartering away slightly, and I put it back just a little bit, same exact spot where I aimed the first time, and uh, it cleans his clock, and he runs about 70 or 80 yards downhill, and he piles up dead in a macro. So it was uh, a lot of high fives, a lot of hugs with Forrest and I. We were pretty doggone fired <laughs> up so... because he manicures these fields. He keeps them limed. He keeps them fertilized. He keeps the weeds down and so on and so forth. A lot of work goes into it. And when you kill one like that, the history at three and a half, four and a half, and five and a half, uh, the the reward is rather, rather sweet, I will tell you. That is such an incredible story. Terry, how did you keep your composure after, you know, the missing him like that? Well, Bobby, when you get as old as I am and you've screwed <laughs> up as many times as I have, it just becomes second nature. <laughs> oh, you that's know, good. Honestly, honestly, because we knew the deer so well, and we had 13 or 14 minutes of pre-roll. You have time to settle down and calm down. And I even said a little prayer to my pop, and I said, don't let me screw this up. Well, he did anyway. He let me screw it up. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, makes the but story I, better. Yeah, much better. Quite honest, I, I was not rattled I, because we knew who he was, and we had a pretty good idea that there was a chance we'd see him with deer calf predicting great and all that sort of stuff. But I couldn't believe it. I literally could not believe that the arrow missed him as far as it did. It, it's impossible. So I still, to this day, Forrest and I went back. We had a couple of GoPros in the blind. We were trying to figure out what happened there. And I, I don't know if I slapped the uh, edge of the window or, or if a you know, mechanical opened on me. I could have I could have very easily have opened it up when I was opening the windows and could have bumped it. I, I don't know. And I'm not making any excuses, but <laughs> I am. <laughs> hey, you recovered. That's yeah. what's important. So, so Terry, when when you when you've got a deer downwind of you in a blind like that, how much time do you have when you open that window before things can go wrong? You know, it kind of depends on the temperature, Bobby. If it's extremely warm and it's 120 or 130 degrees in a blind, and you open it up and the scent comes puking out the side, you don't have a lot of time. I'll yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. But he he stood there. I mean, he literally had his head down. Buried into the the biologic non typical clover, just gobbling it up. And uh, the first one missed him so far; he didn't know what happened. You know, I would have. Hey, if you gonna miss, <laughs> miss big. Oh Here yeah, <laughs> Terry knows how to do it. That's now. right; he don't play around. <laughs> oh, Terry, that not my. When you said that, my heart just sank for a second to think about that big deer at fifteen yards and missing. I get more nervous the longer they're in front of me. You know, and, and I, I applaud Terry for being able to calm down the longer the deer's in front of him because I think the more exposure time, the more likelihood I'm going to mess it up. You mm. know what I mean? So. Now, Terry, wasn't this your biggest deer? It was. It was, Bobby. You know, and we've had opportunities at other big deer over the years, but this was the biggest one on that particular farm and also the biggest one personally. You know, we're used to seeing Mark kill those giants up there where he's at, and uh, this one seems like a baby compared to some of those up there. Well, far no. from a baby. Yeah, yeah no, that's a heck of a deal. What, what no did book. he end up scoring? I think it was 184 and 
some change, 184 and six eighths or something. Oh, that's incredible. That, you know, that 170-inch mark, whoever set that, that that's, it's, that's a really tough benchmark to hit. And uh, But yet, uh, Mark and Terry, uh, they, 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 they clear it pretty it. regularly. That's right. Well, it's funny you say that, Bobby, because I, I don't know who established it way back when, but it was a lot harder than what people realize to net Boone. You know, to get one that's, that grosses 170 is one thing, but to get one that nets 170, far, far uh, bigger accomplishment. And I do believe this deer is going to net uh, BNC. Well, I sure hope he does. I do, too. Yeah. Keep him in the freezer so sure. he doesn't dry out or anything. <laughs> or soak, soak him in the lake or something, but don't let him don't let him shrink. I put a two before between the antlers. <laughs> oh man, Terry, look, I want to. I know you need to go, and, and and thank you for being here with us. But I wanted to give Lanny and Dudley a chance. We wanted to ask you a quick question: Is is there one thing that, boy, when you leave to go hunting, that uh, uh, if you don't have it, you're going to turn around and go back? Obviously, not your bow, but don't be that obvious. But Tell us something that's just super important to you in your deer hunting style these days. Well, I always keep an extra release aid in my in my pack just in case you drop it or you forget it. Uh, I got an extra pull-up cord just in case I drop it or forget it. I got an extra head. Now, I try to keep everything in my backpack that I, that I might need if I either drop it or lose it or forget it. But for the most part, our, our big thing is wind. I mean, doggone, we get so frustrated with early season winds, it's not even funny, you know, where we get in there. And because of the foliage, a, a west wind is a north wind, and an east wind is a south wind, and a south wind is a north wind. It just kills us, absolutely kills us. So we're inclined to sit there, and every time we do, it usually frustrates me to get aggravated, and I wish I'd have left. So the wind, really, it's not something I forget. It's something we know going in, but until the foliage falls off of the trees and you start getting consistent accurate wind direction then it's it's a little easier to sit there but boy as long as the foliage is on it makes it really tough for swirling winds where we're at because of the the topography is fairly severe it's not mountainous but it's rolling hills and and we get a lot of overturning effect and swirling effect and it's just it's just tough mm. wow lanny did you have a question for him for you Gets out of here. Oh, I thought you were asking me about what I can't tell. Can't <laughs> You're confusing <laughs> no. me here. Oh, I'm about. sorry. sorry. No, nah, Terry. I mean, I, I was I was really going to ask. You know, I know you, you've raised a lot of good deer, and this one uh, you thought had the potential. You know, you think it was just you know genetics is what it was, or I know, I, and I don't know what your you know farming regiment's been like. I don't know if there was something that you incorporated in your management plan over the last couple of years that might have given him something, or do you think he was just uh, just born a superstar? You know, Lanny, that's a good question because we do pass a lot of deer trying to get them to reach their full maturity and their full potential. But oftentimes we're incorrect, you know, right. and I do. It's a lot of uh, subspecies where it's either in their blood or not. And sometimes it can be the doe, not necessarily the buck as to who carries that, that fawn and this, that and the other. But, you know, we're there is no science. So when we pass a deer and we think he's going to blow, we, uh, Forrest killed one the other night. I filmed him kill a, a really, really nice deer. Uh, he was a minimum of six and a half and he might be seven and a half. We went back and started studying pictures, but he, and we thought at three and a half, we thought he was absolutely going to blow into a giant. And to make a long story short, he just, he just scratched 150. 
mm. at six after seven and a half because he never picked up any mass and he, and he shortened a little, he shortened up a little bit on the time length, but great deer, you know, beautiful buck. And, and I'm not trying to uh, preach any shark comings here. It's just, it's a shot in the dark when you pass one, you never know. There's no uh, absolute science. So you feel as though you're going to give them their full potential when they hit six and a half, seven and a half or eight and a half. And sometimes that just don't work out uh, genetically. So uh, different areas work differently. I know Mark has deer up there that do blow. You know, mm-hmm. they'll pick up 20, 30 inches a year. And uh, and then he's got deer that are five, six, seven years old that are 125, 130. So they don't all hit 180, 190, and 200 as, as much as we would like for them to. Genetically, they're going to top out at, you know, 135 to 155, and that's about it on a lot of deer. I think I think that's probably... Uh, generally, maybe or general rule of thumb, I think that's where most whitetails probably do mature at between 135 and 155. Yeah, that's the same way down here. I know the Mississippi State guys have talked about that. Dudley, do you have a question? Yeah, me and my buddies have been talking about this lately. Um, so I'd say up until the prime of the rut or you know the first half of the deer season in most states, do you prefer or do you think you have a better chance hunting in the morning or the afternoon? Clearly in the afternoon. I mean, it's, uh, they're just geared to do that afternoon and evening movement, nighttime movement, because the temperatures are such that it doesn't cool down, you know, until later in the evening. Now they're often on their feet, you know, a little bit later in the morning that the moon's hanging in the sky, but they also are back to bed if you watch cameras any at all, and we do, we study them religiously, but by 5.30, they're typically back in bed. A lot of them, 3.34, 4.30, and 5, they're they're heading to bed, so it's hard to catch them during daylight hours. So that evening movement is always better for us, Uh, and then it's a light switch event, and typically in the Midwest, where we're at, that light switch clicks on Halloween, October 31st. From then on, it usually, the first week in November, or first 10 days, we switch over straight to morning movement. Hmm. And then from the second 10 days, from the 10th through the 20th, it typically goes to that mid-afternoon movement. You see them uh, up and feeding and hitting food plots at all, all weird hours of the day. And I think a lot of it is because they've been chasing the does so heavily in the evening and the morning those does try and feed in some odd hours during the middle of the afternoon or midday, uh, 11 to 2, 11 to 3, and that becomes a prime, prime uh, target time for us, the 10th through the 20th of November. And then all of a sudden, if you start uh, getting closer to late season, then that evening movement comes around full circle again. Very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Boy, he is very detailed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is, that that makes a lot of sense, yeah. and and I think you would you could pretty much add a month to that for the South. Yeah, um, and, and Terry, but that midday stuff you just talked about is is really interesting. And and you think that has n- nothing to do with moon phase, but primarily just by length of day and temperature. Another good question, Lanny, and I'll tell you why. We waxed full here. Last year, we had a full moon on October the 1st and October the 31st. We had two mm-hmm. full moons during the Oh, blue moon. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and cold temperatures. And I mean to tell you, we absolutely knocked the blue de- de- devil out of them. We really, really dropped a lot of big deer in October last year. This year, the, the moon waxed full on the 20th. And it's just a little too early for the hunter's moon 
So what you're seeing is a lot of random movement, uh, early morning, late evening, some of them right after the sun goes down, you'll see it, but it is not that full blown bore rut that we normally see. It's just been a, a little different. And I, I made this predictor early on. I was saying that you're going to have to hunt harder and hunt longer this year than you did last year. First hour, last hour, because the moon is waxing full and it typically kicks off that estra cycle for us in the Midwest. Now, and I'm talking about, you know, t- seven to 10 days after that full moon, those does are popping. And it might not be all of them, but typically in October, we always see a few that go. This year, because it's the hunter's moon, there's been more of them. Like mm. our cameras, we're seeing bucks just trailing and following does. And we've had a ton of reports of bucks breeding does early, early here in October. So typically that doesn't start until the latter part of October into November. It happened really early this year. So I don't particularly like it when it's this early because the rut isn't as defined Mm. and the temperatures are still warm. So, so much of that happens at night and it isn't exposed during daylight hours. And that's why I would prefer for it to be a little bit later when the temperatures start cooling down and we can expect to see a little more daylight, daylight activity. So it's so intriguing. I mean, we've been... You know, we talk about moon phases all the time. There's been studies about it, but you just can't ever, you know, get it all. There's just so much observational data out there. I, I think Terry's got a handle on it. I do, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know he knows what's going on in his neck of the woods. That's for sure. <laughs> I yeah. think that's one of the many reasons people obsess over watching you guys' material so much is because they're they're learning. Yeah, they're students of yeah. wildlife and land. <laughs> me included. If, yeah, you, me if you listen to Terry or Mark, they're going to teach you something. No, and, and Matt and, and Taylor as well, they're, they're falling in right behind them. Yeah. So, Terry, look, we, we really appreciate you being here. I know you've got someplace to be. And I've got to get up in a tree stand. It, I'm sure he does, but he's <laughs> he's going to go visit with one of his friends here in a few minutes, I think. But, Terry, thank you so much for being here. And congratulations, Terry. That's a heck of a deer, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'll tell you what, I, I want to I'd be remiss without saying this. We love Toxie. We love Mr. Fox. We love Mr. Suggs. We love Cuz. We love every every single person at Mossy Oak and Biologic Native Nurseries always have, always will. Toxie has been the single best supporter and really uh, single best friend. We're, we're family. Feel as though yeah. he's family. We cannot, cannot say enough good things about your entire organization there at Mossy Oak. Well, thanks, Terry. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate y'all. Yeah. Y'all are family. And look, we, we feel the – everybody here feels the same way. We don't do a podcast without mentioning you guys <laughs> every week. Somehow no. we mention the juries. Yeah. Of course, they're, they're putting well, them down too, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're always in that blood on the biologic segment for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Because you guys are such great guys – I'm going to invite every one of you up to Mark's farm. Oh, oh yeah. We're in. Tell them we're, we're getting the bus ready. Air hug. We'll be up there next week. <laughs> all right, Terry. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, appreciate guys. it, Terry. Love you all. Yeah. Love you all. Thank you so much. Love appreciate it. Everybody, wear those harnesses. Yes, sir. Have a great one. That's a good point. Good last point. thing he said is on. That's right. Well, safety Ooh, on. No doubt about it. Yeah, I tell you what. He is – he is so much fun. Oh, he's around. awesome. Uh, he I is, just, I awesome. love the way they nerd out over deer. Um, I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you or stress how much I've learned from those guys. I mean, just the amount of data dump you got right there yeah. on temperatures, moon phases, you know, how it varies from year to year. 
I mean, he's telling you what to do right now. Mm-hmm. You know? And you don't have to have a piece of prime ground to use all of those tips. I now, mean, you can yeah. use all of that on public. Um, Mark Mark brought that up not long ago. He's like, you know, used to I had one farm that was big. He said, man, now he doesn't have a single farm that's over 100 or two acres. You know, I think that's right. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Something like something that, like yeah. that went from big one big to, to, a, bunch of to a bunch of smalls. Right. You know, so uh, just to echo what you're saying, Dudley. Um, now, I'd recommend a little bit more land than that down here. Yeah, that, but they, I tell you what, though, uh, I mean, they really know their stuff. They're the real deal. And then they're they're not only great hunters, but they're just great people. Mm-hmm. So, Period. I mean, we can we could love on them for a long time, and we've done that before. But it's uh, let's move on a little let's bit move here. On. That's right. So, uh, Lanny, you had a story I, that you were going to tell us. Uh, well, I think uh, let's talk about. We want to create a segment in this in this podcast here where we kind of. Talk about Share, current events. Current events. That's yeah. right. We haven't decided what to name it yet. Yeah. But I think this is the uh, this is the start of it, isn't it? It could be the first one. It could be the first if, one if you do good here, Lanny. Bradley always has current events, you know. So I, I guess I'm saying that to listen. Now, y'all, you know, we can't pay attention to everything. Let us know uh, out there if some stuff's going on. We need to pay some more attention to. And I'm trying to find this stuff on my phone. Can mark the code. Yeah. Out. Well, while you're looking for that, let me do, let me call out a guy named uh, Jay. McCall 98. I don't know who he is, but he gave us a review and he said every hunter and fisherman should listen to this podcast. I oh, my that, goodness. Yeah, that was very, very good. Thank kind you. Words that was from, good stuff. From uh, Jay McCall. So, uh, Jay McCall 98. Yeah, we've really enjoyed reading all those reviews. Yeah, we look at them all. And so, look, I'm going to make Jay McCall, if you'll get in touch with us, we're going to send you a Bertucci watch. There you okay. go. Yeah. Keeping that gamekeeper time. That's right. Okay, I found it here. So, okay. All right, go uh, ahead. You know, just random stuff we found. This actually is on the, was on the, the internet, so, Bobby, you know it's true. Sure. I mean, if it's on there. Yeah. You know, if it's on Wikipedia or anything like that, we know it's true. But I nonetheless stumbled across this. You know, I'm always thinking about, like, how to, I guess, use more of, like, when I harvest stuff, I want to you know, kind of different ways to utilize different things. Sure. Daniel Making I, a toothpick out of yeah, some antlers or ma- something. You know, I've always, you know, knife handles, you know, of course the cooking part of it is, is huge and eating part of it's huge too. Uh, but uh, Daniel and I were talking about, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, make some deer skin wallets out of, you know, a deer you harvested or some stuff like that the other day. So this is kind of intriguing when I ran across it. Apparently in the 1960s, uh, there was a uh, woodsman, uh, in British Columbia named Francis Wharton. Uh, and he shot uh, a deer uh, and then proceeded to use the, the teeth out of the deer to make his own set of dentures for himself. Now, then he ate the deer with the own deer, deer's own teeth. <laughs> now, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I'm all about getting closer to nature in every which way I can, but I don't think I would take it. Yeah, he's sitting there smiling. The picture of him smiling is classic. With the deer teeth. Oh, my goodness. That almost sounded like some kind of horror story. Yeah, that's weird. He kind of looks like the guy. Do you love deer that much, Bobby? I don't think I do. (laughs) Yeah, I don't either. If I was in a dark alley and saw that guy coming at me, I'd probably take off running. And look, he's very proud. Yeah, yeah, he is. Mm. (laughs) He kind of looks like Hannibal Lecter. He does. Mac, uh, looking back at you, you're over there texting. I'm trying. We kind of blazed by it trying to get Terry on here real fast. But have have you got a commercial for us today? Have you sighted in your gun yet? I have. Yes. You have. 
What kind of scope did you use? Well, of course, nothing but the best. Yeah, nothing but the best. I mean, they're the best. They they really are. I mean, from range finders to red dots to spotting scopes to binoculars. I mean, you really just can't. I mean, you can't argue the quality, the durability, and really just the ease of of sighting in your gun. I mean, when you use a Leopold. I mean, and the consistency that they have. I mean, just we could go on all day about them. I mean, they're just top notch. I yeah. think I might be wrong. You probably correct me, Bob, because you're really good at correcting me. Yeah. Uh, but wasn't there um, supposedly at the Leopold place? There is a rifle that was found in Alaska that had been propped up against a tree for a really, really long time. I think so. I think a really long time. And the gun had completely, basically deteriorated away, yet the Leopold scope was still good on it. I think you're exactly right. I've heard that story. I've never seen it myself, but I I have have heard that. that. So the thing about them that I like, Mike, they're just so dependable. They, they, yeah, yeah. It doesn't get knocked off mm-hmm. It, it uh, unless you just have some kind of – you were in a car accident or something. But it, it's just so dependable. It's When you sight it in, it's on. It's on. It's on. And it's their sunglasses on. are awesome. I mean, we used them on the gator hunt. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It's my be- my favorite pair of shades I have. Is that right? Man, I've Where did you get it. a pair of them? Bobby, you gave them to me. Because <laughs> I had a pair and they're gone. Yeah, well, you know. Maybe that's where they went. I've got several Leopold Leopold scopes, but my favorite is one that I got on eBay, and it's a little four power. The the objective, I guess the 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 end at the end of your barrel. Objective, wouldn't it be? Yeah, it would be. Uh, It looks like an old African scope because it's just a little bitty four power scope, and I've got it on a youth model rifle. It's got a big old dent in it, and I I just love it. Yeah. It's just they, old school looking. Great products. Yeah, good they, stuff. They sure are. No doubt about it. So, look, let's move on. Uh, why don't we call Dave Nebraska, and um, and then we'll let him stay on with us through the rest of what we're what we're doing. And um, I think you've got his number. Yeah, right? I'll get him dialed up here. Dave? Dave Nebraska. Bobby? Hey, look here, Dave. We got the whole crew here. Uh, Dudley's sitting here. Lanny's standing up. He's got back issues. Mike's over here. Richie's sound asleep. But we're talking about deer hunting, and uh, we wanted to to reach out to you. We knew you killed a big deer a few uh, a few weeks back. Just got off the phone with Terry. Yeah, we yeah we just got off the phone with Terry Jury. He was telling about the deer he killed. How are you doing? Yeah, he killed a giant. Looks like so far a good fall. You know, everybody's uh, a lot of big deer dropping in a lot of states. I know in Ohio there's a bunch of deer going down and been following like some of the some of the sites and a lot of good uh, a lot of good bucks this year. I'm doing good though, just uh, just working away. <laughs> yeah, well that's good. Well, th- so so tell me that uh, you recently you you recently uh, killed a really big deer with your boat. Yeah. Um, it was actually a two year quest. Uh, the buck that I killed, I had named him Bradshaw. Uh, just, uh, last year when I was driving around on Jeep ride with my son, I noticed a big deer, a couple deer in the bean field and, uh, happened to get my binos on. And one was a giant 12 pointer. And just because of the number 12, I named him Bradshaw, but, um, you know, I chased him hard all last year, uh, got close a few times anywhere within 45 yards uh 70 some odd yards a few times but never with a shot like he was always had that sixth sense or pulled out or was in thick cover or whatever and 
he uh, he vanished. Didn't really see him for a while. Um, I ended up getting on another big deer on another completely different area. Um, and then later on the season came back and I was trying to get some people on him again. And once again, he eluded it and, and vanished. Um, but there towards the end of the season, uh, he came back and I had noticed that he, his eye was all swollen. Couldn't, there's nothing, uh, completely swollen shut. And then as it went down, I noticed he had no reflection in his eyeball. Um, so he was blind in that eye and then he was hobbling real bad on the front left foot. Um, so within two weeks of that, I'd say he came back again, you know, on cameras, he had lost all, you know, both of his antlers. He shed early. Uh, so, um, me and my son kind of there towards end of the season set out to try to find him. And we, with his shed dog, we found both sheds within an hour, within probably 75 yards of each other. So I knew I had those. And then, you know, throughout the summer, I started my mineral and my feed and, cameras and all that and i got a picture of a deer with nice early development and i wasn't sure when he was looking away what it was and then when he turned to the camera i noticed the right eye was blind still and i'm like oh there's bradshaw so he uh he was very sporadic at the spot where i ended up taking him and on and off on and off not not really hitting anything even mineral i was catching him on trails and uh i got my cell cam set up and within about a week, he popped in and was eating at the at the um, feeder. And I tried to get on him for a couple nights, no sign of him. He went about a week again with no show. And uh, all of a sudden, he popped in like around 2 in the morning at the thing on my cell cam. And I decided the wind was bad. I couldn't go to where I wanted to get where the feed was. So I hunted. It was an east wind. And I hunted from a little bit of far, about 120 yards, 100 yards. And I was sitting there in my stand that morning and I started scrolling through my phone, turning my back where I knew the feed was. And I saw a buck that my son was hunting on my cell cam and I kept flipping through. And all of a sudden I'm like, there's Bradshaw. And I'm like, he's within, you know, 100 yards of where I'm at right now. So I put my phone down, started scanning. And just kind of just trying to see if I could see him behind me or whatever. And all of a sudden, I pan back to my right, and here he comes walking right out of the pine down this trail. And he he stopped behind a big shrub bush uh, at like 11 yards, looking back towards the pines. And I came to full draw. And when he cleared that when he cleared that bush, I I just shot down through him, and he went about 35 yards and piled up. But you know, it was to your quest, and couldn't have been happier. That sounds like an incredible hunt. So, so uh, he lost his eye. It, it yeah, blinded one eye. That uh, that had to be tough on a deer. It just, uh, I mean, you because you think about how they're just always aware of what's going on around them, and then all of a sudden you take away fifty percent of what they can see. That had to make him. That kind of had to be yeah, making paranoid. And yeah, you know. And, you know Oh, I was Being say. in an urban slash rural area, you know, he was crossing roads and I see him a couple of times driving back from another place hunting or driving into town. I'd see him, you know, I'd see him there across the road. And um, so doing that with one eye and then, you know, on video camera, on my cell camera out on video on a couple of them, he was hobbling on the top of his hoof on the left side. So I don't know whether really got damaged fighting or if he got hit by a car Um at some point, I don't know, but he, 
he was struggling. I mean, his nutrition was good because, I mean, he dressed out at 207 at the processor. Uh, so he was still, you know, uh, eating yeah. well. But, yeah. you know, his rack definitely, had he not been hurt, I think, you know, he was a little bit heavier and bigger last year, but he gained a lot of uh, kicker points and some trash. And actually, was, his velvet was still in, like, partially intact and stringing and hanging on his rack when I, when I, harvested him so oh that's cool yeah i tell you what ohio's growing some in the last few years there's been giant some deer. giant coming, oh yeah coming out of, uh, good yeah. dirt up there yeah evidently you know it's it's a combination of dirt um nutrition and the fact too that we're a one buck state so you know with people becoming more i guess selective in trophy hunting and trying to kill bigger deer uh have you know has helped you know the genetically good deer and the ones that are eating good get big you know and um, I think that's been the success of the places I hunt, you know, people, when they come and customers, friends, whatever, I just say, Hey man, if you're going to shoot it or whatever, obviously we want to process it, but if you're going to shoot a buck, at least mount it. Um, and people have been selective, you know, and letting those three and a half, three and a half year olds get to four five, six and a half. And I think Bradshaw was probably six and a half. Cause I talked to a guy after, uh, I, I had shot him past him and he, we were talking, he shot him at, two years ago and he hit him high in the no man's land and uh you know saw him several times last year just as i did but then when i told him i had harvested him he was, he was kind of upset but hey that's the luck of the draw i guess yeah well it sounded like bradshaw had a rough time yeah, right <laughs> so you gotta do honor to him i'm sure you're gonna put him on the wall but so is he getting, yeah i'm actually is, what uh, about the eye we gotta know put a patch Lanny, on Lanny, what i'm doing i shipped uh i shipped my um shed and you know bradshaw uh himself this year i'm gonna i'm gonna mount on a double pedestal his last year uh sheds and a, and a deer and then the right or the 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 deer this year but with his right eye blind nice um, yeah. yeah so we're working on that i think they actually make something for that uh to make it you know kind of look realistic but so did he come uh-huh. when he walked up on you? Was his bad eye to you, or was his good eye? It was, and everybody's like, "Man, you shot a blind, you shot a blind deer on his bad, on his bad side." I'm like, "Hey, man, I need every advantage." Yeah, I blind can hog finds it out every now, man. Yeah, well. yeah, man. He came in. He came. Actually, he was strong, quartering, almost coming dead at me, and then he had to go to his left. So he was starting to bank left, and he was strong. He was strong, quartering to me, and and I just let him have it. I went down. I went down through and actually completely smashed his back shoulder. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, he's an incredible oh, deer. I saw yeah, a picture of him and mm-hmm. congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it was exciting. And I mean, I have, I have a lot bigger deer, but it was that two year quest that I told myself last year at the end of the year, I found his sheds and when I started seeing pictures. I'm like, I don't care what deer shows that I'm getting. I'm going after Bradshaw. You had a relationship with yeah. him. Yeah, and now, now, Lanny Bradshaw, do you get that at all? <laughs> Bradshaw. Yeah. He said 12, so yeah. there's some kind of association with 12 <laughs> yeah. and Bradshaw, but I'm not well, quite, he was I'm not quite picking up on it quite yet. Now, I do enjoy that, that that TV series, The Bradshaw Family. Have you seen that? I have yeah. not, no. That's pretty good. Yeah. He was a 12 last year, but this year he actually, I want to say, I think he had 16 or so scorable with all the little trash and kickers and you know, stuff that he had generated uh, from being hurt, you know? 
Well, that's that's incredible, Dave. Uh, look, I'm gonna ask you if you don't mind, if you want to, you don't have to. I, you know, if you want to jump off, you can. But we're gonna, nope. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Dudley and Lanny some questions. Might even you ask can, them back. You and can I'm gonna ask them too. Dave. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you. You know, if you stay, I'll ask you as well. But what I'd like to do is that people learn something listening to this. Now, Terry, just a few minutes ago, has a knowledge he, drop right he there. He dumped so much on us that I'm, we're, I'm still trying to make notes on it. But I want somebody that's listening to this to come away with something. So, Dudley, I'm gonna ask you first: Is there something in your bag when you go hunting? On the weekend, you're going deer hunting. That you just, I gotta have this. It is there anything in your bag that this like that? Um, this sounds crazy, and you know, again, uh, gotta have a weapon, all of that stuff. But one thing that I will not go without is a baseball hat, a ball cap. Um, I can't stand getting sun in my eyes, and so I know that sounds nah, like nah, a, yeah. a I, I didn't think on right that. now, but yeah, that's uh, why we're. I always carry a ball cap and a toboggan. If it gets cold, I'm going to still have that. I still want that cap blocking that sun. Yeah. So I need that bill. You can hide behind that thing. What about, is there anything that has come along in the last 10 or 15 years that makes hunting easier for you, that improves the hunt um, experience? For me, uh, especially now that I'm, I'm kind of mixing it up between public and private, uh, so many things have gotten lighter. Um, and so I've, I've gotten some new sticks, you know, to climb the tree with. I've gotten a new hang-on stand that's ultralight. Um, I even have a backpack that can hold all of that stuff. And you can even pack your deer meat out and not mm-hmm. have to make multiple trips. So um, even if I'm on private and it's somewhere where it's, you know, too far away to get a four-wheeler to or something, you can break a deer down, pack it all out in one swoop. Um, so I, I would say, you know, that doesn't necessarily help my hunting, but it, it does. It helps me get farther in there, and I'm trying to hunt a different tree every time. I'm using my own X and looking at looking at topo maps, and instead of going to the same old permanent stands we always went to every year, I'm kind of making a vow to myself to go to a new spot every time. That's a good idea. Yeah. What about Bobby, you? I'd, I'd, I'd chime in and answer both of those too. I mean, I think, you know, more so than anything, the most, one of the most powerful pieces of equipment you can have is a wind checker. You know, I mean, I don't care what, I don't care what you do. If you don't know where the wind's going, you know, you're in big trouble. You yeah. know, they're, they're going to walk into the wind, whether they're coming to a scrape, coming to a feed pile, whatever. Uh, you know, the wind checker, I think if you forget it, you can be in some serious So Obviously, you can kick dust and do whatever to kind of do it. But if you're 20 feet up in a tree, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, and then the, 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 I think innovation, you know, some of these ozone type products, uh, granted, I don't like to, I don't think they're great to be running in full speed in a blind or a tower blind, but like in a tree stand, it, I've been literally, you know, uh, in a situation where I had multiple does downwind of me with those running, whether it's ozonics or scent lock version or whatever I've used and they work. I mean, I've had great success with them and I sometimes I'll even run two in a tree and I just think you can wear whatever you want, but if you're, if you're not in the right wind, you're, you're in big trouble. Mm. So Lanny, I'm, I'm looking across at you. What, what, what are you, what's your one piece of equipment you've got to have? You know, I'm, I'm, mine's not equipment, but the one thing. Thermal that, vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always helps. Always yeah. helps. Uh, but you know, I'm kind of in a different stage in my hunting life right now. So believe it or not, the one thing that I will not leave and not go hunting without are 
snacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just the bottom line. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm most of the you time. Like Lin- you sound like I Lindsay. Look, it's, I've, got a, I've got a very hungry, active uh, 11-year-old with me virtually every time I'm in the field. So I have noticed I get to we get to hunt a lot longer. It doesn't matter when the good time of the deer hunting is. It's when you run out of snacks that things get to be, you know. Well, that's a good kind of, thing to have learned yeah, at this stage. Yeah, so you can make it last a little longer. You make it last a little longer with yeah. the snacks. There's no doubt about it. So I know that's kind of, you know. Was well, there any equipment, that any innovations that have that you feel like has helped you? Like some shooting sticks. I've seen you use that. I've used shooting sticks. I, You know, optics. I'm just going to go back. I mean, we, we talked about Leopold earlier, but uh, quality optics. So uh, Stale Cracker said, if you're going to spend some money on, spend money on good beef and a good rifle scope or good binoculars. And and he's right, you know, uh, quality optics um, for you. And, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm having to double up on everything uh, and, and having those out in the field, uh, spending time, you know, checking things out. It makes it more entertaining for who you're with too. So, yeah. And I, I tell you what, on those shooting sticks, uh, especially for youth, yeah, those uh, you know the couple companies have them out where it you know will clamp on the forearm of the rifle, or you set it down into the. Uh, it's like a saddle that you yeah. set it into. It, that's bog. It's a, it's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, bog makes that. And I've I've got one and I love it, and I I hope my son gets to use it a few times. And I do have one more. I do use a bipod, yeah. especially when I'm hunting with, with Hayden on the ground. So. Yeah, that's a good thing. And, and, you know, Dave, back to your wind checkers, you know, you can just grab some milkweed seed or some seed off some native grasses or go native, baby. Use the powders. That's right. Another thing about, I mean, it helps you during your hunt, but it also helps you learn how thermals work. And you can be in your stand and drop some seeds, and it will teach you something that you need to know for the future. On, on how those thermals work, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, yeah, when there's really no wind at all. It's a good, sunset, it's a good point. Like sunset, you got a wind there you go. Dudley got a bell ring on that one. So, Mike, I'm looking no over queen. here at you. What, what's the one thing in your bag? An extra headlamp every time. Because yeah. there's nothing worse than, than trying to get out of a stand or trying to get back to your, your truck. And you all you have is your cell phone or if you shoot a deer and you're tracking a deer, I mean, headlamp, Princeton Tech headlamp, no doubt. You know, I was I was thinking you were going to say a cell phone charger. <laughs> you know, as much as you text. A solar yeah, charger. That's, right. yeah, that's pretty good. No, I did sure. read the magazine in the stand, the Gamekeeper magazine on that. He always, oh, look at there, he's carrying his yeah. magazine with him in the yeah. stand. Well, you know, I was going to say binoculars because yeah. I end up just looking through the woods at the edge of the field. Did I take yours? You you did. But my other one, and, and folks, when you start getting older like I am, you'll appreciate this one. But I've got one of those hunting buddy heaters. Oh, and I've yeah. had it, I've had one for a long time. And I tell you what, it just makes life so much more, more much comfortable. Much more comfortable. It, it That's really right. does. It's very comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I've, and I've run out of propane a time or two. I'm like, dang, I got to go to the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's then, a great one. And then for a pro, an innovation, you, you know, where I hunt, I've got about a, a literally a, a 1.3 mile walk. And it's so wet, we can't get a four wheeler down in there mm-hmm. or it makes so much noise. I feel like I'm spooking everything. But I've got one of these. Uh, You've it, had this thing forever. You you drag it. It's, a it's drag like a sled, yeah. and it's made by a Viking, I mm-hmm. think. But that thing, you know, I can carry everything in there, drag it in there with me, and then if I kill a deer, I can drag, drag it, right it right back, back out. out. And that that really has made my life a lot easier. I saw a little corner of it in the Jesse's yeah. shot of her doe. 
Yeah, that's right. I used it all the time. And you use that. You had one, uh, an adapted one for duck hunting, too. It, well, it floats, so I've used it. Uh, this is the same one. Uh, I use it for duck hunting. Yes. So, yeah. I, I own one, too, and I love it. Yeah. And it's called a Chapel Jet Ice Fishing Sled. That's and a, they've, they've got different sizes. I'm sure you just find one anywhere around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. in a pinch, it makes a great sled when it snows. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. My yeah. mama gave yeah, me that all kind of Christmas equipment. one. Yeah. I, I love it. I'll so. tell you, Bobby, another another really cool product to use now, too, is these uh, e-bikes. You know, um, you can flip in and out pretty quiet. You don't have all the foot traffic and scent. You know, you're riding on two wheels, and they're super – Super quiet and stealthy. Uh, that's helped a lot, not only checking cameras, but, you know, getting into certain spots. Uh, when you do have a long walk, you know, you can ride those things pretty quietly and get in. Um, that's another good one. And then I haven't made the switch yet, but some of these uh, adjustable or range-finding type sites like Burris and, and Garmin, uh, I thought about doing it. Uh, I, can, I can see where not having to have that extra movement of pulling the rangefinder out of its holster or your pocket ranging then you know figuring out and then trying to also if he does jump or take two steps and trying to figure out where he's at you know oh, that's interesting that, those are good points so look we've been going for a while why don't we want we kind of wrap this up but I, hey look if you're listening to this don't don't leave us yet because i got something real important i want to say at the end but let's talk about what we learned and Lanny, I'm going to look at you first. What, what have you learned today? I, just the amazing whitetail deer. You know, you, everybody does these studies. Everybody tells you what's going to happen, you know, and does all these things. But, uh, and it's, it, I think it's part of the loosen, uh, the looseness of them and, and just the whole, um, you know, the whole way they live life uh, continues to just intrigue me. And I don't know if that's what I learned or not, but I just reinforced that point. I'm just listening to Terry talk, you know. They're, they're, yep. they're magical animals. Yeah, they're magical animals. Yeah. And we don't know. Just like the study that came out, the moon phase, it don't affect deer movement. I that's, mean, that's so I mean, hard come to on. swallow. That's, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cover your ears, Bronson. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, what about you, Dudley? What would you learn? Uh, again, it, that was so much information to soak in. Um, I was I, I enjoyed hearing Terry talk about how he prefers hunting in the afternoon. Um and, you know, my friends and I have argued over that. Uh, and so that that was pretty cool to, to hear his take on that. Yeah. Yeah. Mac? Mac, Mac. I need to figure out how, how long it takes me to get to Missouri and Ohio. I yeah, guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, he'll be on his own X checking that checking out uh, the Dave yes, Nebraska farm here before long. You can yeah, we've already got that. it pulled up, matter of fact. So, you know, when I think about it, it just it, – it, Terry made the point, Dave made the point, it, that wind is so important. And, and it's – you know, it's a hard thing. You, 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 you sit in your office working all week long. You're going to get to go hunting on Saturday, and you have a spot in mind you want to go hunting. Yeah, and you want to hunt it. But, you you know, you get up Saturday morning, and if the wind is wrong, do not go and mess it up. That That's one of the hardest things to not do. Yeah, I've already messed it up. <laughs> the whole pressure. Yeah. pressure. Bobby, yeah. I, I, you know, in my, in my opinion too, that I think just as in life, you know, it's, it's a chess match, you know, and I love whether it's turkey hunting or deer hunting, that chess match of trying to, trying to get inside the head. And just when you think you can maybe figure a buck or a gobbler out or whatever, they, they sideswipe you, you know, and that's kind of what Bradshaw did. He'd be patterned at a certain spot or a certain camera and I'd go hunt him and he's nowhere to be found. And then, you know, just happens that it works out you know finally after two years of 
multiple sits, mornings, evenings, checking cameras and reading cell phone images and everything. It finally, you know, that chess match to say, I finally conquered it and did it. That's, that's more rewarding and to my mind than just actually harvesting, just finally putting a check on that box that I got him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we know what you mean. It's an, it's an accomplishment. And they're, they're, they're such a, they're such a great animal for us to get to, to chase and spend time with. And we love them so much. It, uh, love to eat them, too. Yeah, they I mean, we tasty. Yeah, love every bit of <laughs> They're delicious. So, so look, David, we appreciate you being here. And, uh, guys, I, for having me. I wanna, I wanna just kind of pause just for a second because we've been having, we've been having so much fun and mm-hmm. we're talking about things we love, but there is a family right now that's hurting. And, uh, the Dr. Michael Chamberlain, who's been a guest on this podcast and our television show, a, uh, several times, but they lost their son Austin this past weekend, and Austin was an intern here. He worked here, yeah. and uh, you know we're just all, our heart. We just want to let them know we're thinking about them. And uh, and boy, Austin was a great young man. He was just he was just an incredible young man. Yeah, definitely yeah. in our prayers. We love the Chamberlains. Yeah, it, it you know this has been a rough few months. You know we've we've lost Absolutely. we've lost several. Key people, and but this uh, Austin was just a—he was just a great young man. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with him here. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So it's it's hard to talk about. Uh, it really is. I'm looking at that couch. I'm seeing uh, Dr. Chamberlain sitting over there smiling, and Austin walking around. It's just—it is just kind of hard to believe. But uh, but look, guys, we are we are. The Chamberlain family's in our thoughts and prayers. We no won't doubt. say that. Dudley, we've been going a while. Let's save your ass, Dudley. Sounds let's, good. Let's do it next week. Uh, Lanny, have you got anything you need to point out? No, I think we're good, man. Yeah. Uh, but, but Dudley, what about you? Are you think- you got a movie review you want to give anybody or anything <laughs> like that? Mike, you look like you're happy. You're ready to go. Richie just woke up from his nap. So I think, uh, well, look, guys, y'all watch the TV show, Outdoor Channel, uh, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. What time is that central? I, you know, that is 8 central. I, you thought you were going to get me on something else. That's prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we had fun. Y'all leave us a review if you can. Maybe you'll win a Bertucci watch. Dave, we thank you for being there. And, and look, appreciate all you do. You're out there hustling, licensing the stuff from Osseoke all the time. You do a great job. We sure appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun joining you. All right, well, uh, you know, it's that time. Why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac, Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.